All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Investment Banking Insights. This is the only show dedicated to helping you learn both the technical and non-technical aspects of the investment banking process. My name is Alex Mason and I am your host. I hope you're doing well recording on the road today and just ready to get into these technicals. And we're talking about some more advanced topics with uh, regards to M&A, mergers and acquisitions. And today's question is this, how do deals with deferred tax liabilities affect the balance sheets? How do deals with deferred tax liabilities affect the balance sheets? And this is interesting because we've been talking a little bit about these topics in the past. And DTLs, deferred tax liabilities, and also deferred tax assets, which we'll get into in another episode, they represent the effects of write-ups and write-downs of assets during acquisitions. And just as a reminder, we talked about this before, but how do we calculate these things? Well, deferred tax liability is equal to your asset write-up amount multiplied by the tax rate. And then likewise, your deferred tax asset is equal to your asset write-down multiplied by the tax rate. So relatively simple, right? But how does this factor into the balance sheet of the combined firm once the deal takes place? And this is what we're going to explore right now over these next few minutes. What's basically going to happen is you're going to account for both the assets and liabilities themselves, as well as the deferred tax assets or liabilities. So let's walk through a simple example with deferred tax liabilities today. Let's say a company is buying another business and it's an all cash deal for $1 billion. Now, while completing the transaction, it's agreed upon that the acquiring company is going to account for an asset write-up of $100 million. Assume the tax rate in this example is 40%. So let's say that there's this asset write-up they realize, oh, we need to value this asset higher. That creates a deferred tax liability on the balance sheet. But now how do we account for this? Okay, and let's also make some other assumptions about the balance sheet of the acquiring, or not the acquiring company, but the target company in this example. So let's say that the target has assets of $200 million and liabilities of $100 million which gives them shareholders' equity of $100 million. 200 minus 100 equals 100. So those are all of the assumptions that we're going to make. All right? $1 billion all-cash deal. We're going to have an asset write-up of $100 million. Tax rate is 40%. And then the target company's balance sheet looks like $200 million in assets, $100 million in liabilities, which gives them shareholders' equity of $100 million. Okay, so that's the setup for this example. So what's going to get added to the acquiring company's balance sheet? What, what actually changes here? Well, there's several things that we need to account for, and we're just going to go through them one by one. So first of all, we know that the target's assets are $200 million. So we're just going to add that to the asset side of the balance sheet of the combined company. Pretty simple. We also know that the target's liabilities are $100 million. So we're also going to do the same thing. We're just going to add that to the liability side of the balance sheet of the combined company. Also simple. Now, what we're not going to do is add shareholders' equity. 
because the shareholder's equity gets wiped out in the acquisition. So that's something that we have to remember here. So we don't even think about the equity. We're just adding assets, we're adding liabilities, and now we're gonna keep it moving. Okay, so at this point, we've added $200 million in assets and $100 million in liabilities to the balance sheet, which is pretty straightforward. But now we're going to also account for this asset write-up. Now, since the asset write-up is $100 million, this amount is going to get added to our balance sheet. So we add that 100 million to the asset side of the balance sheet. Now, however, because of this write-up, we're going to get a deferred tax liability, DTL, as well. So we multiply the $100 million by the 40% tax rate to get $40 million. So we take that deferred tax liability of $40 million and add that to the liability side of the balance sheet. So we've just added the 100 million on the asset side because we had the write up and we just added the deferred tax liability on the liability side. So also we must remember this is an all cash $1 billion deal. So since cash is an asset, we reduce the asset side of the balance sheet of the combined company by $1 billion because that cash was used for the acquisition. So they, they lose that cash, they lose that asset. So $1 billion goes down. Okay, so what's happened on the asset side of the balance sheet now that we're putting these things together? What we've done is we've added $200 million, we've added $100 million, and then we've also subtracted $1 billion. So this is a net change of negative $700 million in assets. So that's what we've got going on on that side of the balance sheet. Now on the liability side of the balance sheet, what we did is we started out with adding this $100 million in liabilities. We also added the $40 million in liabilities to account for the deferred tax liability. So this is a total of $140 million in added liabilities. So what do we have here? Negative 700 million in assets, plus 140 million in liabilities. Well, how is this going to balance? That's the golden rule of accounting, right? The balance sheet has to balance. So since we have assets down by 700, liabilities up by 140, we need to add $840 million in goodwill in order to make the balance sheet balance. So that's what we need to do. That is the amount of goodwill there, $840 million. So that's how you do it. That's how a deferred tax liability is accounted for in a merger and acquisition deal and how goodwill factors into it. All we're doing is just adding up and subtracting the various aspects of assets and liabilities and figuring out where they go in the combined company's capitalization structure, basically, where they go in the balance sheet. So that's that's what we do. So. That's what I got for you today here on Investment Banking Insights. I hope you're having an incredible day wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you're getting value out of this. I'll see you next time.